This is CliffCentral.com. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Future CEOs and this session of Power Woman. My name, once again, is Luby Mboya Arnold. And let me tell you to everybody that's listening out there, the privilege and the luxury and the gift it is for me to interview wonderful, motivational, inspirational women that have to be celebrated in the work and the lives that they do to make South Africa a better place, especially for female entrepreneurs. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce, if I could actually do a live video recording, I would, because she's looking absolutely radiant. Dominique Collette, FinTech Investment Specialist at RMI Holdings. Welcome to Future CEOs, Dominique. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, I know it's early, bright and early, but you know what? As I always say, we have really grown as a startup. And for women like you in leadership positions, executive positions, where time is really of the essence and time cannot be replaced, we really honor and value the time you spent here just to empower and uplift and inspire um, certain financial sectors that we'll speak about today, but especially entrepreneurs on their entrepreneurial journey, no matter where they are. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Happy so, to be here. So let's start from the very beginning. Your love for fintech, everything that I read about you, that energy of your words and your passion and your experience and your journey really resonates. Where did that all begin? So I've kind of been involved in fintech way before fintech was a word. Yes. Um, so when I first started working almost 15 years ago, I was working for one of the big banks and we were looking at how the banks were being disintermediated at that stage. So we were working with a lot of startups and a lot of technology companies and looking at things like at that stage, it was things like pick and pay banking were all the rage and monolines on mortgages, et cetera. And that's when I came to realize that financial services as an industry, A, is fascinating, but B, it's constantly evolving and it's constantly being challenged. So I was very privileged to start out there. For example, I worked on the first implementation of MTN Banking which came out in 2005. And that was an example of a technology that was just way ahead of its time and it didn't quite take off, but I fell in love with the sector. Um, and I think what I love about it is you're dealing with something that's exciting, that's vibrant, super smart people who are doing alternative things and it makes a difference in people's lives. How would you define FinTech? If somebody had no idea what that is, let's, let's go back to basics. What is FinTech? So the way I think about fintech is enabling financial services using technology. Wonderful. And when I say enabling, making it simpler, making it easier, making it more relevant and making it more accessible for customers. Do you find Gauteng as a province is, is ahead of the rest of the country? So it's interesting because there's always a debate, Joe, about Cape Town. Yeah. So Cape Town has got an amazing tech sector. The tech talent in Cape Town is extraordinary. And there's a couple of reasons for that. You've got some amazing universities which are doing really good computer science yes. programs. You've got like Amazon who've got a huge center there who are employing people globally to work there. And you've got a thriving ecosystem. Yes. On the fin side. With international partners. With international partners. And it's a very close community and it works very well. Joburg, on the other hand, is very much a fin place. This is where all the big banks are, where the insurances, insurance players are. So you get different skills. You also get very different type of entrepreneurs in Cape Town and Joburg. So they've both got their pros and cons, um, and they've both got unique characteristics. What kind of entrepreneurs are you finding in Joburg in your, in your experience with dealing with entrepreneurs? 
The people in Joburg are hungry and they're hustlers. We are. <laughs> Listen, I rocked up to the studio this morning. I hope I was having to meet you, gorgeous one. And I was like, I'm so tired. But when you get here, you're like, poof, this energy, you know. I'm like, let's get on with it, you know. But that's the thing about Joburg. It's a mining town. You know, people came here. I mean, a mining town is a hustling town. And people you meet here are busy. They're hungry. They're aggressive. They want to make stuff happen. And you can feel that energy. I'm not saying that Cape Town entrepreneurs don't have that. But certainly in my trips, whenever I come back from Cape Town, I remember the vibrancy of the city. I'm a Joburg girl through and through, and I just love Joburg. So let's talk a bit about being a female in this industry, especially the fintech industry. Um, And we love stories and lessons learned and hardships and challenges on future CEOs, because I think that's where we connect with um, the the people that really want to uh, create their own visions and destinies and legacies in the entrepreneurial space. Your experiences as being a woman and a tough, strong woman who knows, highly educated as well, you know, um, women in this space. So first of all, there's not many of us. Um, I'm very privileged to know some of them and to work with some of them. It's not the easiest industry for women. There's no doubt. I mean, you've got the kind of the intersection of financial services, which tends to be male-dominated, and tech, which is quite male-dominated. I have to say my personal experience in this industry through banking, through fintech, et cetera, has always been a positive one. Um, I've always been very well accepted by the men. I've always been able to sort of hold my own with men. So I haven't felt that it's much of an issue. I think the only concern is that there's not more of us there. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Why have you managed to hold your own? What do you do? What makes you um, just as good as the men in the industry? So I think... Often women, we're quite hard workers. I mean, we see this at school. I've got a teenage son who, and I can see the difference between girls and boys. Girls are are very hard workers and they're very conscientious. And I'm not saying that men aren't, but most of the women I know in this space are incredibly hard workers. Um, I think also for me personally, I'm quite lucky. I'm naturally quite confident. I'm a bit of an extrovert, so I'm not shy and retiring, which in this industry you need to be able to, you know, make your voice heard. Cheryl Sandberg says in her Lean In book, take your seat at the table and lean in. Absolutely. And that's really important. Um, and I think the one thing I've noticed with a lot of young women that I've met is there's a bit of a reluctance to really own their space. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the messages I always say to women is this is a male-dominated industry. It is quite a tough industry. And if you want to be in the industry, you have to step up your game and you have to figure out the tools of how to, to take your seat at the table. Let's talk about your educational background. Walk us through that. Sure. So I um, did my, obviously, I'm matriculated here in Joburg. I went to Parktown Girls. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And again, what an amazing, being in an all-girls environment, and it was our headmistress at the time was very strong in female empowerment. So you always, I think that gave me a lot of confidence because you were always told that women can do whatever they want to do. Love it. Especially planting that seed at a very young age. I also went to um, an all-girls school, and that's exactly why, firstly, we can hang around and work with and support and not be intimidated by other women and not have to pull her down syndrome and yet feel our own value and our own added value anywhere, anytime, any place. After Parktown Girls? Then I went to Rhodes University. I did a Bachelor of Business Science and Finance and Economics. That was great. It was super fun. I learned a lot. But I have to say, in your undergrad level, I mean, at 18, you don't know really what you want to do with your life. You're mm. kind of figuring stuff out. So it was interesting, and I really enjoyed it. Um, 
and out of when I was in my final year, that's when I got offered to go into a graduate program at a bank, and that's how I landed up in banking. I had a lot of other career ambitions at that time, so banking was almost by accident. Um, but once I got into it, I loved it. And then I was very fortunate I got to do my master's degree in London. Wow. I went to London Business School wow. and I did my master's in finance, which was fantastic. It was a, um, the bank that I was working for at the time sponsored it because it's a super expensive program. I'm sure. I had to do it part-time, which is challenging. <laughs> I always tell people studying is fantastic and always furthering your education, but doing a master's part-time is quite tough. In, in what sense, Dominique? I was working quite long hours at the time yeah. and then you're at school every evening. Yeah. So I didn't have much of a life, if I'm honest. And how long did that take you? Two years. Okay, so you fast-tracked that. So the master's, if you do it full-time, you can do it in a year. Oh, is it? But part-time, it's two years. So, and look, it was, again, that was a phenomenal experience because London's the center of the financial services world. We were exposed to the most phenomenal faculty. The people in my class were from all over the world. It was a life-changing experience. And I think when I did my master's, I was a bit further in my career. I was in my late 20s. So I had a much deeper appreciation for the content matter. And um, that network that you have with your colleagues and uh, our classmates, that's also great. That's what I love about any MBA program is that the, the international network that you create with your colleagues is great. Are you still in touch? I mean, you've got that alumni, you know. Very much. And I'm still very involved in the business school, particularly on the entrepreneurship side. They've got a big entrepreneurial program. We host the students every year as part of their MBA to expose them to the world of fintech and, very importantly, some socioeconomic entrepreneurship approaches. So I stay very close to it. You love for, for entrepreneurs. Tell us about that. <laughs> entrepreneurs are the best. <laughs> it's so hard. Dom. It's so hard. It's like, um, it's not easy. <clears throat> it's a lonely road. Um, oh gosh, you trip, you fall, you fail, but... If you're good, you're good. And if you get it right, you get it right. And it's, it's something that, do you think you're born an entrepreneur or you, or, or you can become a, through time and experience and skill an entrepreneur? What do you think? I don't think there's anything like you born anything. I think we're born with raw potential and I think life experiences shape you. You know, if I look at it, um, I've always loved business and I've always loved, I mean, I had my first business when I was eight. I used to, <laughs> my mom was a medical rep and she used to get free samples, like cool things. And I used to sell them in the neighborhood. So I had a hundred percent market. You're such an entrepreneur. <laughs> you are such an entrepreneur, yeah? And when I was at university, I had tutoring businesses and I was sort of worked on the side. So I've just always loved commercials and making money, if I'm honest, and just kind of thinking of new things to do. And that's what I love about entrepreneurs. It's that hustle spirit. It's that eternal optimism. I was very fortunate that I got to help build a business. So I've had that entrepreneurial journey myself, and it was such a life-changing experience. And that's why when I sit across from entrepreneurs now, I can deeply empathize where they are, what they're going through. And it's not just on the commercial stuff. It's emotional stuff because the entrepreneurship journey is a, an emotional roller coaster. It's a complete you roller coaster. Have to tell me. <laughs> Yeah. And I think what I admire about entrepreneurs is that level of persistence. You know, that in the face of all adversity, 
they still try to come up with solutions. Um, and I think that's what makes my job certainly interesting. Um, and I've got the real privilege of working with, for example, the team at Artsurance who started a business 20 years ago, which is hugely excess, successful, but still maintain that entrepreneurial chias. And then the young guy who literally started a business three months ago and is trying to figure everything out. And the, I think the common character is that your, uh, the landscape. That's the landscape. And I think that's a real privilege. That is a real privilege. Um, and the women that come into this space as entrepreneurs, how do you, what, what do you see in them that you see in yourself? First of all, we don't have enough of them. I know. <laughs> so it's one thing. And, you know, we always look at our, our membership base. We look at entrepreneurs and we're like, why aren't there more women? The ones that do come through, I have to say, I find phenomenal. You know, so brave, so smart, um, so resilient. Um, and they've also got a slightly softer edge to them often. Um, mm. I'm just, I'm, I, and especially when they're starting something quite difficult, mm. I'm amazed at how, at, at how many have stuck around. I've been in this role now for four years and, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs come and go. Yes. The women are resilient. Women are, we hang in there. That's the one thing I can say about women. Amen to us. Amen to us. So what is your um, priority every single day? What, does it is it different every day? What <laughs> I wish we were video. I love what you like. Oh my gosh, everything happens every day. Today, what are you going to do today? Okay, so today I've got and he has a perfect example of a mix of of things. So I start my morning with. Uh, my investment team, where we're going to discuss a few investment opportunities and decide whether or not we proceed. So that's fascinating. So now we've spent time with businesses, we've understood what they're about, and now we're discussing collectively as a team whether we should take it forward. And the thing that I love about the team that I work in is it's so multifaceted and everyone comes so well prepared and with such deep insights. So that's the first meeting I have. The second one is I'm meeting another great entrepreneurial company, which I've known for about 18 months, who are now looking for a fundraise. So I'm going to sit and talk to them to understand where they are on their journey, what they're looking to do, why they need the money, what kind of partner they want. Then I spend some time, Outsurance is obviously a big part of my job because we're a big shareholder at RMI, and I'm spending time with the team there on a new project, which is hugely exciting. It's in the digital space. It's Oof. in the fintech space. Oof. So um, I'm spending time with super creative people about designing new products. What is the one thing that you have seen in the work that you do where all entrepreneurs are falling short? What's that one thing that's consistent? I think especially in our space, the thing that I find most often is the the inability to commercialize. And I think it's often we, we work with entrepreneurs who don't have maybe corporate experience or yeah. haven't um, have a great idea, have a great product or very technically savvy, um, but don't always understand a how long these things might take and actually how to get deals done. I think that's probably the biggest thing we see in our space is that inability to commercialize. And in that incubate, are you accessing all that information for the entrepreneurs? I think that's what we spend a lot of time doing because Beautiful. especially in this environment, I mean, like a lot of startups, you often need a big corporate partnership to succeed. Yeah. You know, they are the Facebooks of the world, but they, they're quite rare. So it's more about how do I leverage what's in the ecosystem to build up my business? And it's hard because it's different languages. Startup language and corporate language are so different and trying to get the, the startups to understand that, like how do they approach a senior executive at a bank or an insurance company? What are the things that they're thinking about? How do you contract for that? Which is not stuff they might have been exposed to before. Sure. <laughs> I think we are becoming to you and pitching. 
So we're going to pitch. Okay, so this is it. We, 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 we've applied to Alpha Code Incubate, AC Incubate 2018. What does it mean to be pitch ready? What are, what are you expecting from these entrepreneurs? There's three things. Yes. So there's, I'll talk about I've, I've actually got butterflies. It's like I'm going to go put, come pitch to you now, now. Yes, tell me how to prepare. There's characteristics of the, of the personality, which I'll leave to the end. But at a, at a high level, the first thing we want to know is, is the problem you're working on big? So Does what, it have to be big? I mean, uh, uh, Dominique? In my experience, the entrepreneurial journey is hard and it's long. If you're not going to do something that's worthwhile, you're wasting your time. So play in a big industry where there's a lot of either money to be made or impact to be had because it is such a long, lonely journey. If you're going to work 20 hours a day, make it matter. <laughs> so that's the first thing we're going to say is what industry are you in? Is it a big, is it a big problem you're trying to solve? And the second question we're going to ask is, why can you uniquely solve this problem? So what have you thought about? What have you developed? And what are you doing that no one else is doing? And then the third thing I'm going to say is, what is your experience? So what gives you the right to play in this space? So, you know, have you had previous experience? Have you had encounters? What is it about you personally and your own personal experience that you're going to bring to this business? So that's kind of the three levels. From a characteristic point of view, we're looking for people with passion. We're looking for people with integrity. That's a huge one. Like, do you, do you approach business with good business ethics? Like, how do you think about life? Um, how do you think about partnership? Are you dedicated? Are you entering into entrepreneurship because you think it's an easy road? Because it's not. Like, are you going to be there, you know, at two o'clock in the morning when everything's going wrong and your family's upset with you? Are you going to show up? Those are some of the, you know, are you determined? I think that's that. And you can pick that up from people. Can you? Absolutely. The best thing about my job is that I get to meet with a lot of different people. And usually within five minutes, you know whether or not someone's got it. Really? Yeah. You have just – and that's what I do – that I love this job is because you you go through a lot of meetings and you get quite despondent and you go, I'm not seeing opportunities. And you have one meeting with someone and it's just mind-blowing where you just go, there's something there. And it's it's intangible, but you can just see it. And that's what makes it worthwhile. Future CEOs listening, be that one person who just makes it worthwhile. Please <laughs> do for Alpha Code and Dominique Collette. Okay, so the next session of this interview, I hope you'll enjoy it with me, is called Quick Fire. So I'm just going to say a word or a phrase or a sentence, and you tell me the first thing that comes to your head. Growth mindset. Change. Oof. Um, capital provider. Partner. You're good. <laughs> I didn't realize you were going to go through this so quickly. I'm like, oh my God, what's the next one? Um, Global Economic Forum. Talk shop. Oh, really? <laughs> Fourth, <laughs> Fourth Industrial Revolution. Misunderstood. Intergenerational wealth transfer. Problem in South Africa. Shit, you're good. I didn't realize <laughs> we're going to fly through these questions. Fintech as a curriculum. You know what? Okay, let me let me take it back. So I'm always saying I really, really, really am a bit nervous about the future and we don't have a real sense of urgency about the future, just preparing our kids for what's happening. Um, as you realize, as you're carrying, I just think that entrepreneurship really has to be developed and educated, not just trained from high school. 
Because by the time we get to my age, the market, we're not ready for the market, you know. And by the time I'm 40, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've missed out. I've skipped out. I've been missed out. You know what I mean? So fintech as a curriculum in high school, too soon? Yes, no. What are your thoughts? Too soon. Is it? Too soon. Elaborate. So fintech is quite a technical industry. To make it in this space, you've generally got to have some industry experience because financial services as an industry is highly regulated. Yes. Um, it's quite complex. There's so many different components. And I think a 16-year-old just maybe hasn't been exposed enough to it or has a deep enough understanding. Because I always say with fintech, you're often trying to disrupt the status quo and change things. The best way to change things is know how they work in the first place. Yeah. You know, it's that old thing of taking a pot of toaster and putting it back together to make it different. And I think unless you have a – in my experience, the guys that really build great businesses in fintech have had a very deep understanding of how the industry works, what the problems are, and what needs to be done to fix it. So what would you say would be um, a, a similar solution problem when it comes to preparing our kids, you know, just to – to be interested in fintech, what kind of subjects would you like to be in the curriculum for school? What do you think? I think one of the most important things at school is entrepreneurship as a curriculum. And what I mean by that is basic commercials. So I was very privileged at my son's school. They had something called Real World for Kids, which was like this game that they played where they had to build a business, make money, face Love real it. issues. Love that. For example, if they breached something, they went to jail. Love that. And that to me is missing because I think I meet so many young people who just don't have a commercial capability, like an understanding implicitly of, you know, what is a gross margin? Like, you know, how do you price things? How do you sell things? And I think that's something we can instill from a young the, age. The really mere basics. Yeah. The mere, mere basics. Because I look, I look at, you know, they, they, my son's in grade eight and he's learning accounting, which is great. He's economic management sciences, but it's, it's so, it's so distant for him because he just can't conceptualize what this actually means. Whereas when I sit and chat to his friends, cause I, I love, teenage boys are so cute. They really are so funny and so cute. And you sit and talk to them and explain how business works and why you want to do certain things. And you can just see them light up because they're going, sure, if I did that, I'd actually make some money and I could buy an Xbox. You know, and I think that's missing in schools, if I'm honest. If you really want to, as an entrepreneur um, who wants to upskill themselves and better themselves, what kind of self-education would you uh, um, motivate them to do? MBA or not to MBA? What are your thoughts? So it's an interesting one. I have a deep respect for education. I've been very privileged to, you know, be educated at some of the world's best institutions. But what I find exciting is this growth of online learning. The types of stuff that you can access with Udemy, with Coursera, with even these big international business schools. So, for example, I was looking recently, Stanford has a phenomenal design thinking course, which I can do online. Um. So previously, things like Stanford were so far out of my reach as a South African sitting in Johannesburg, and now the whole world has opened up to me. And I think that's one of the things I encourage people to do, to look at the amount of online learning that is available that you can fit into your schedule. And I think I'm, I'm going to take that up. Yes, you were saying? The other thing is discovering webinars. Webinars have changed my life. Have they? <laughs> yeah. Because you find really good companies, and they, I mean, we, we're really lucky we subscribe to the service where Every week they've got like 
dozens of topics. And it could be everything from how do you manage diabetes to what's happening in the regulatory environment in Bitcoin in Europe. And you get an hour with an expert, like a global leading expert who talks you through it. Now, what you learn in that hour is not something you'd learn in a textbook. And that is now available to everyone, especially with the cost of data coming down. I love that. So the uh, previous recipient of, you know, the Alpha Code program is Livestock Wealth. Yes. Um, you know what? I actually uh, I met, um, what's his name? Shezi. Shezi. Untukuto. Shezi, um, at uh, a great entrepreneurship uh, forum in, uh, at the ICC, the Durban ICC, about two years ago, not knowing that, you know, he was, um, the, the recipient of the Alpha Code program. What a great found, a crowdfunding initiative. What a great man. Um, what made him stand out from everybody else? Shazie's one of those that I talk about where you go through a lot of really bad meetings and then you have one and you just go, that's what makes it worthwhile. Within five minutes of meeting Shazie, you can understand why he's successful. And it comes down to his passion, his energy, and how creative he is. I mean, this is a man who, so A, he started on quite a traditional track. He was yes. an Accenture consultant for many years, so super smart. Yes. Um, he was a World Economic Forum ambassador, so had spent time internationally. And then he built a great business called Scratch Mobile. Which was you take your car to the airport, you leave it there when you're traveling, and he fixes the dents in your car. Wow. And he was actually an Endeavor entrepreneur because of that venture. So something completely outside of what he'd been doing at Accenture, but he knew how to build a business, how to make money, and how to scale it. So when we first met him, and he was discussing this idea of buying a car via, via an app, we'd never heard it. I mean, I think that's what made it so exciting is that you don't always have to be – pushing boundaries and doing something brand new to be exciting. But when you do find, I mean, he's spoken to international investors who've said they've never heard of anything like this. So he's really stumbled onto something different, unique, um, you know, that taps into the zeitgeist, not just of South Africans. I mean, cars as a cultural, as a currency are a huge cultural phenomenon across Africa, across India. Um, and I think it's not an easy one. I think like, you know, it's a new asset class he's creating. It's a new type of investment that he's creating from a technology point of view. So he's had his challenges, but Shezi is the most determined person I've met. He hasn't given up. We've worked with him for almost three years, and he's changed his model. He's figured stuff out. He's struggled to get cattle insurance, but he just keeps on going. And every time you see him, he's got a big smile on his face. Last couple of questions, and then we wrap What's the best advice you can give any entrepreneur? Surround yourself with good people. Get good partners, whether that's co-founders or funders, but work with people who share your passion and very importantly share your philosophy on life and your ethics. You can't build a business on your own. Where would you like to see Alpha Code in five to ten years' time? So – the vision, and especially with programs like Incubate, is we want more strong black financial services businesses. Amen to that. Yeah. So we really we want to see the leaders of these businesses standing head to head with Adrian Gore from Discovery, with Philip Rose from Outsurance, and building businesses that make sense for South Africa. I think that's one of the big things. We've got a very unique situation here where it's a first world financial services system, third world economics, and we need to find new models. That's that sweet spot. Exactly. And we want to see strong black leaders emerge who change the face of this industry. It is so important for us. If you had to – last question, last two questions. If you had to 
talk to you, the 21-year-old Dominique Collette, about her life, her vision, her mission, and her family. What would you say to you? <laughs> Brace yourself <laughs> of what's going to come. I think the thing that I'd say is to the 21-year-old is life is going to throw you so many challenges and nothing's going to work out quite as it planned, as you planned. Um, but trust that everything works the way that it's supposed to work and hang in there in tough times. What's been the biggest difficulty being mom, being executive, being a woman? Yeah. It's balancing time. And it's, you know, as a, as a working mom, you always have the guilt of I'm not spending enough time at work. I'm not spending enough time with kids. And you've yeah. got to, in my experiences, you've got to just forgive yourself and just recognize what's important to you. Don't feel guilty for it. You know, I, I know for myself personally, my career is really important and it's, it's so part of who I am. I know. And I hope that by really pursuing that with passion, I instill in my sons that they look at that and go, that's, you know, that's what, what's what success looks like in the sense of you work hard at something, you're passionate about something and you just give it your all. So I have to, you know, there's moments when, you know, I'm not going to the Wednesday morning mom's breakfast to discuss what's happening at the school and, and you just have to accept those trade-offs. Last question. What does the word intention mean to you? Oh, intention. I think it's your, your, are, are you intrinsically, are you intrinsically good or intrinsically bad? How, how, what are your actual real motivations for doing things? And the best advice. I know I was, I was going to be like five, uh, last question, five questions ago, but I, you just, I just, you just make me want to talk to you more. I know it's a, a busy day. Uh, the best advice you've ever received. Oh, I've had some amazing mentors over my life and I've heard some phenomenal things. I think the best advice I've ever received is when things are tough, you just get up, you show up, you do what's asked and you trust the process. Leaving your legacy, what is that to you? Having made a difference in someone's life. And um, it's not material. It's about yeah. did you actually impact someone's growth journey? I could spend the whole day with her because, you know what, I am being so schooled sitting right here at Cliff Central. And I hope... You entrepreneurs are listening and are motivated and inspired by the fantastic and, you know, you know when a message comes to you and it's your responsibility to use it as soon as possible. Because time, my friends listening to the show, the Power Woman segment um, doesn't have to be your enemy. So that was... Dominique Collette, our power woman on future CEOs, fintech investment specialist at RMI Holdings. You are a force to be reckoned with. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. much for your time. Thank you. Okay, from me, Subimboya Arnold, I hope you will sit through another session of Power Woman segment right here on Future CEOs. Bye for now. Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.